Well, would you turn to the book of Hebrews, please? We began last week on a new series. We're calling The Truth About Temptation. And I'm excited about this series. And, you know, you start talking about temptation, you start talking about sin. Well, a lot of folk get quiet and they think, well, (laughs) don't you have anything else you can preach on, Brother (laughs) Kitty? But no, no, you want to hear this. I said, you want to hear this. You definitely want to hear this because what about the truth? Huh? You'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Free. How many think it's a good idea to be free concerning temptation and concerning sin? To be free. Free. Well, look in Hebrews, the fourth chapter and down about the 14th verse. It says, seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession. That word's also translated confession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Infirmities is the word for weaknesses. You have to look, when you see the word infirm or infirmity uh, throughout the New Testament, You have to look to see what kind of weakness he's talking about. Infirmity doesn't automatically equal sickness. It means weakness. The body could be weak as the result of a disease or sickness, but sometimes he's talking about a completely different kind of weakness than a physical weakness. How many remember Romans 8 talks about the Spirit helps our infirmities? Is he talking about us being sick there? No, he's not. He goes on to say, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. Well, what's the weakness that he's talking about? Ignorance. Weak because of what you don't know. Thank God the Holy Spirit can help us. How in the world could you pray about something you don't know? Well, thank God for prayer in the Spirit. Praying in other tongues. And if you don't believe in that, well, brother, you're missing out. And you can join us anytime. But not knowing is a weakness. Well, here he's talking about, he's not talking about physical weaknesses per se here either. But we have a high priest, we don't have a high priest, we should say, who cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Well, another way of saying that is we do have a high priest who is touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Now we camped on this for a length of time last Friday. And we need to go over it again and we probably go over it again every time we talk about this for the next ever how many weeks we do. But do you believe as it is written here that Jesus was tempted in every way that you were or could be? Do you believe that? If you do, then you're different from many Christians. You're different from a lot of theologians. There are people, even though this reads very plainly, there are people who don't accept this 
at face value and they try to make it mean other things. And the reason they do is because they believe wrongly about temptation itself. Many believe that to be tempted means you have, there's something inherently wicked about you. Something inherently evil, or elsewise you couldn't be tempted. And that in order for Jesus to be tempted, that means there's something wrong in him. And that couldn't be so. Well, the Bible said he was tempted in all points. Let me read it in other translations to just reiterate it. In the NIV said he was tempted in every way. Just as we are. The English Bible said in every respect he has been tempted as we are. We know human beings have been tempted to lie. They've been tempted to steal. They've been tempted to commit adultery. They've been tempted to disobey God. Rebel against God. And when you start talking about it specifically, that's where people start having trouble thinking, well, now, Jesus, there's no way Jesus was ever tempted to disobey God. There's no way Jesus was ever tempted to do those things. Well, now, you can't have it both ways. What do you mean by that? The first part of that, but you see how quiet it got when I went into a little bit more detail? (laughs) Look at it. Verse 15, we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our weaknesses. Are we temptable? (laughs) Have we experienced feelings of weakness? Well, see, some have even philosophers who are not believers have talked about this, this concept. And even some theologians, how can a holy, perfect God... Relate to a sinful man. How could he even know what it's like to experience what we've experienced? God became a man. He emptied himself of his mighty weight and power and glory as God. He emptied himself of his omniscience, his omnipotence. And became like other men. The Bible says so. And as a man. He got tired. As a man. He didn't know everything. Are you listening now? I know a lot of folk don't like this. But it's the truth. So we say yeah but brother Keith sometimes it said he knew their thoughts. Yes. And it says other people knew things too. By word of knowledge. Yeah, but he calmed the storm and he raised the dead. God used other men to do similar things. Hasn't he? Did he ever cease being God? No, that's the great mystery. But he became like other men. Now, if he walked this earth while he lived here knowing everything, if he walked this earth not being subject to temptation and weakness, then he's not like me. And he's not like you. And he can't relate. Are y'all with me? And 
That's one of the big reasons he came. Now there are many, but that's one of the big reasons he came. Because the Romans talks about, yea, let God be true and every man a liar, that you may, God may be justified when you are condemned. What does that mean? God condemned? Yeah, people shake their fist and go, God, it's not fair. God, you don't understand what it's like to be in my life. You don't understand what it's like to be. Yes, he does. Yes. And the only way he could is if he had been tempted in every way like us. Now let me go further with this. Somebody say, yes, but he was tempted in all points as we are yet without sin. He never sinned. So how could he know the shame of having sinned? How could he relate to the embarrassment and the guilt and and the sense of failure since he never sinned, how could he relate to that? He can because by faith he took it all upon himself when he went to the cross. How many understand something powerful was going on in him when he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He never committed the sin, but he took... He didn't just sympathize with it, the Bible said he became sin. Now there's theologians that don't accept that either. But if you don't accept these things, then you undermine redemption itself. No, friends, we have a complete redemption. We have an amazing redemption. And we got a great high priest. There is just one God and there is just one mediator between God and men. The man, M-A-N. Man. Man. Somebody said, he's God. Yes, but he's just as much man. Just as much man as you or I. There is a man sitting at the right hand of majesty right now. He knows every feeling. He knows every temptation. He knows everything that any man or woman has ever gone through. Now what's the good news about that? Come on, read the rest of this. Well, actually, I need to take you to another place. Go to the second chapter, please. Of Hebrews. And uh, 17. Wherefore, in all things... It behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. In how many things? Was he sort of like us? Partly like us. How many? In all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest. In things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people, for in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. Somewhere or another, this King James word, succor, doesn't bring in a cross to us. We don't even use that word much in a modern vernacular. Listen to these other translations and get excited. It said, because he himself, the NIV, suffered being tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. Somebody say, he can help me. He helps me. When? When? When you are tempted. Now, I know I mentioned this, but we were in another uh, state 
thousand miles away a few weeks ago. And the Lord got me up in the nighttime about this and just ministered to me. We weren't through with the other series yet, but I saw we need to go to this. And the thing is, people are not acknowledging temptation. Nobody wants to talk about it. Everybody wants to pretend that they're never tempted. Did you hear me? How are you going to be helped with something you won't even acknowledge is going on? Now, you know, I mean, in the various 12-step programs that uh, people have gone through and got help, one of the first steps is acknowledging you got a problem. Now, I don't necessarily agree with going around confessing the rest of your life, I'm an alcoholic. I believe in the power of your words. But you do need to at some point acknowledge that you have been a drunk. Instead of this, I don't have a problem. I can quit anytime I want to. How many understand as long as you're doing that, you cannot get help? Well, it's exactly the same thing concerning any form of temptation. Whether you're tempted to drink and get drunk or whether you're tempted to do something else, you have to admit that you're tempted. And the the reason that's been such a problem is because either the church implied it or Christians came out and said it in different ways. The implication is that if you are tempted, you are guilty. If you're tempted, something's wrong with you. And so it's something to be covered and hid. And don't let anybody know you're tempted because, man, they'll think, well, you're tempted to do what? You're wicked. You're perverted. You're distorted. Was Jesus tempted? Did that make him less because he was tempted? No. No. Being tempted is not sin. He was tempted in any way and every way any man or woman could ever be tempted, yet without sin. Just because you're tempted doesn't mean you've done anything wrong. If I said that another hundred times, sit up on top of the pulpit and wave my arms. Why? Because we are struggling against centuries of tradition right now. Is it a sin to be tempted? Does it make you a bad person because you're tempted? Was Jesus tempted? Then that should settle it. Did it make him any less because he was tempted? See, people try to portray that you come in and you get born again and your sins are washed away. You get filled with the Spirit. You can't be tempted. You're too holy to be tempted. People act like that. You know, people are tempted in an area and they won't talk about it. Oh, no, they wouldn't dare let somebody know they had been tempted in that area because they'll think less of me. Friend, we might as well get over it right now. Everybody in this room has been tempted. Everybody in a various ways. And if you think, well, I ain't never been tempted to do that, and you think that makes you better than the person who is, you're wrong. Because sin is sin. 
Now people have an idea that there's different categories of sin and because, you know, maybe I've messed up over in this area, but, you know, I've never been even been tempted to do that. We're going to talk about that as time goes on. But you've got no reason to brag if you've never been tempted. If you've never been tempted, you've never passed any tests in that area. So why would you be bragging about it? Let me read this again to you further in Hebrews 2. 18, it said in the Weiss translation says, In that he suffered, having himself been tempted and put to the test, he is able to run to the cry of those who are being tempted and put to the test and bring them aid. Also, the Living Bible, I like this. The Living Bible says, Since he himself has now been through suffering and temptation. He knows what it is like when we suffer and are tempted, and He is wonderfully able to help us. How many know there are times you need to look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm tempted. Help me. (laughs) You've been here. You didn't give in. You didn't yield. You know how. And it's written that because you've been here and know how, you can wonderfully help me. I'm asking you, help me. Help me right now. But what if you're going to pretend that you're not tempted? That's why people are falling left and right. They're falling and falling and falling and falling in sin. Because they try to hide the fact, they try to pretend like they don't have a problem and a challenge in that area. They try to pretend I'm not being tempted. And hide it. And you got whole churches full of people that put on their nice clothes and they come together and sit around and look at each other. Even though they don't say it, they go, I'm holy. You're holy. We're all holy. And we hear about something that somebody did something that was bad on the news and everybody look at each other aghast like, oh, can you believe that? Act like it's never crossed their mind and it's a lie. I'm having a challenge even talking about it right now. People are looking at me like, I don't know what you're talking about. Yes, you do. Yes, you know what I'm talking about. If Jesus was tempted, who are you? (laughs) How many believe, just like it's written, Jesus was tempted? In every way, just like us. But he never yielded to it. He's our hero. He never fell one time. He never sinned one time. So he knows how to overcome. Temptation. Oh, and glory to God. He ever lives to make intercession for us. And since he's been here and done it and overcome, he is wonderfully able to help you and me when we're tempted. So that we don't have to fail. We don't have to fall. But we can overcome the temptation. Like him. And not yield. Say it out loud. Being tempted is not a sin. Being tempted tempted. is not sin. sin. The sin comes in when you yield to the temptation. When you give in to it. 
when you follow it. But the temptation itself is not sin. We're here in Hebrews 2. I want you to go over to, uh, let's see, the uh, fifth chapter. Verse 5, it said, Christ glorified not himself to be made the high priest. The Father has given him this glory. Verse 7, Hebrews 5, 7, In the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. And being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all them that obey him. Now, when you read that, what do you think about? Crying, tears, suffering. What do you think about when you read that? How many think about the garden? Go back to Luke 22. Let's read about it. Luke 22. Luke 22 and 40. How many believe Jesus was strong? Not weak. Strong. So if he is crying. And tears are flowing. And he's suffering. What's going on? Something's squeezing him. Something's pulling on him. Something's pressing him. Isn't it? And we see that here. In Luke 22, look what he tells them as this began to unfold this night. When he was at the place, this is Luke 22:40, he said to them, pray, why? Pray, why? That you enter not into temptation. Did Jesus act like nobody was ever tempted? No. He's talking to them about temptation like it's the central issue right now, isn't he? And he's saying you need to watch, you need to pray so that you won't be tempted. No. So that what? So that you don't enter the temptation. There's a picture of a door here, isn't there? Or a gate, an opening. You're on one side. And the door is open or the gate is open and on the other side someone or something is beckoning you to come in and come through the door. And you're being tempted to go in. But why would it be a temptation? Why wouldn't you just say, hey, it's an opportunity, let's go. Why would it be a temptation? Because you know you shouldn't go in. Now, this is going to develop a lot as we go on. But elsewise, you'd just go right on in and go, what's the deal? But the reason it's a temptation is because part of you knows you should not go in. And yet another part of you wants to go in. Elsewise, temptation can't exist. How many remember James? Every man's tempted when he or she is drawn away of their own lust or desire. That's not the devil. That's you. Part of you wants it. 
hmm? drawn away of their own lust and enticed. That's not you. How many understand if part of you doesn't want it, the devil's got nothing to work with? Hmm? Part of you wants it. And the Bible talks about the pleasure of sin for a season. Preachers get up in the pulpit and parents tell their children that there is no pleasure in the sin. And different ones try it out and they find out that's not true. There was some pleasure. And so they then decide since preacher and mom and daddy lied to me about that part, they must have lied to me about the rest of it. How many know you need not kid yourself about your children being tempted? Oh, that's my little angel. (laughs) My little angel ain't never thought anything like that. Come on now. When you were that age, what were you thinking? Yeah, but that's my little angel. Come on. Jesus was tempted. Then your little angel is tempted too. Not my little. Yes, your little angel. If they hadn't already yielded. How many understand we hear reports all the time about, you know, children, eight, nine, ten years old having sex. That's somebody's kids. That's somebody's little angel. And people act so shocked when their kids do stuff. And when their teenagers do stuff, they act so shocked. Like they had no clue. You should have had a clue. You should have known the nature of the flesh. And you should have known the way the enemy works. You've been there yourself. Yeah, but that's my little baby. They're different. No, they are not different. They are the same as me and you and Jesus. Your babies, soon as they have enough understanding to know how, are going to be tempted. Just like you, just like anybody else. The difference is, will they have received the training and help to know how to not yield to the temptation? They will be tempted. Oh, Brother Keith, don't say that. They will be tempted. Not might be. Not some of them will be. They, all of them are going, they are being tempted. They are being tempted. They're being tempted by what's going on at school. They're being tempted by what's on the internet. They're being tempted by what's in the music or the TVs or the movies and the shows. You know, it's just really ignorance to know that your children are sitting there watching movies of people making out and they're not thinking about it. That's ignorance, isn't it? But we have seen it again and again and again. Parents pretend some way or another they delude themselves that their children are above temptation. And because of not dealing with it, then they're just shocked when things do happen because nobody talked about it. Nobody would deal with it. And now here it is. Well, let's deal with it. Let's talk about it. 
Let's quit playing religious games. Let's walk in the truth. Let's walk in reality. How many understand there's victory to be had in these areas? Our children can be strong. We can prepare them. We can say, hey, baby, this is coming up now. You're going to be tempted. Mama was. Daddy was. Oh, I'm uncomfortable talking about that, brother. Well, maybe you'll be more comfortable dealing with a pregnancy. Or going to get them out of jail. They're going to be tempted. Just like you. And everybody needs to be ready. They need to be forearmed. They need to be prepared. They need to know what's coming. And how it's going to come. And you don't need to play games. You need to look them in the eye and say, baby, and your body's going to want to do it. That's my little precious baby. I can't even talk about it. You better talk about it. You're going to be pulled. But here's what's right. And you'll know in your heart. And Jesus himself has been tempted in all these same ways. And he never gave in. Not one time. And because of that, and because he's with us now, he's able to help you wonderfully when this comes up. I don't care where you are or what's going on. You will never be a time when you cannot rise up and say, no, I'm not yielding to this. You'll have the power. The Holy Spirit will help you. Part of you will be screaming, I want to try it. I want to do it. But the greater one will be inside you. And you can overcome the temptation. And there will be beckoning and pulling to come through the door. But you can pray and you can be strong and not enter into the temptation. Come on, how many believe this now? Talk to your kids. Don't let them learn about stuff perverted and twisted at school. Don't let them, the only thing they know about these things to come from their buddies that don't know anything. Or to come from some ungodly movies or, or books. Or, you prepare them. You tell them what's coming up. You tell them how the nature of the flesh is. You don't have to use vulgar language. You don't have to be gross. But you need to be specific. And you need to talk plain. They need to know what you're talking about and not be scratching their head when they leave. What were they trying to get to? <laughs> be plain. <laughs> You know, the Christian church has really been damaged by the junk of the world that's been allowed in. You see even these children's movies, are supposed to be, you know, acceptable movies, and you'll see the parents are just dummies. Have you seen it? And the parent, mom or dad's going to come talk to the young teenager about the so-called the birds and the bees, and the teenager just rolls their eyes like, tolerate mom and dad for the little talk here. We've been knowing about this for a long time, you know. That is not the way of God. It is not right. Did you hear me? And what they need is not just knowing about anatomy. They need to know about temptation. They need to know about the power to overcome it. And you need to know it yourself. And you need to be able to take the experience, both of your failures and your successes, with faith, with the Word, with the anointing that is on you to be a mama and a daddy. And sit down with them and then respect you. And listen to you and pay attention knowing that their life is depending on it. 
How many understand one, just one wrong sexual relationship can mean death? Just one. Just one. To the world is telling people, oh, it's normal, it's natural, you're, you know. And then the church will try to tell you, no, it's not natural. If you're really holy, you don't have that thought. It's a lie. It's a lie. You're a man. You're a woman. There's something called hormones. <laughs> Did you hear me now? You are going to be pulled. You are going to be tempted. That's not even debatable. You are going to be. The question is, are you going to yield to it? Or are you going to overcome the temptation like the master did? Now, was Jesus tempted? Come on, tell me again. Was he tempted? When they went in the garden, this is hours before he's going to be spit on, beard pulled out, scourged, crucified. Hours. And he knew it was coming. How many remember that Moses and Elijah came and talked to him about it? I said, how in the world did that happen? It happened. How many understand this life is not all there is to it? Just because you leave this life doesn't mean you cease to be. He's talking to people that lived centuries before. And they talked to him in detail about what he was about to go through to prepare him and to help him. Didn't they? How many understand if Jesus needed preparation, if he needed help to deal with this, certainly we do. And when it all started to go down, how many understand he took the, his crew with him and then the three of them he took further into the garden and what did he tell them? Watch and pray. Why? Verse 40, that you enter not into temptation. How many understand they were about to be tempted as well? Tempted to what? To disown him. Tempted to deny him. They were about to be put to the test. Which is what tempt means. It means to prove, to test, to try. With the idea of enticement. And he said you need to pray. You need to watch. Other translations say. Other accounts I should say. And he was withdrawn. About a stone's cast. And kneeled down and prayed. And he said father. If you be willing. Remove this cup from me. Nevertheless not my will. But your will be done. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Why would he need this? Well, what's the prayer? Go right back to the prayer. What is he praying? Father, if there's any other way. If there's any other way. And how many of you put Matthew's account and other accounts. He said also, Father, all things are possible with you. How many understand Jesus is a faith man? He believes all things are possible with God. And he believes what he preaches. And to them that believe as well. And he said, uh, it is possible with you for me not to have to do this and go through this. Because he knew what he was about to experience. But how many understand he came back to not my will, but your will be done. Then what's going on then? Is he being tempted not to go through with this? Is he being tempted to disobey God? Yes. 
Is the temptation so strong that it is causing him pain? Suffering. You see that word used together, suffered being tempted. There are different degrees of temptation. And this night, he was pushed beyond measure. Because he is not the least bit in the dark about what he's about to go through. And the part that they could see physically, as terrible and awful as it was, was the small part. What we don't know and would be hard to relate to is what he went through in the spirit. He who had never been separated from the Father, never known evil, never known sin, and all the sin... Now, when we say all the sin, we've got to open our heads now. All the sin. How many understand the sins that have happened on this world are heinous? I mean the treachery. I mean the murder, the rape, the crimes and sins against little children and the innocence. All of the sin of every man that has ever lived, is living, or will ever live converged on his sinless, spotless being. And he became it and was judged for all of it. And he was tempted not to go through with it. Oh, but what strength. (laughs) Somebody say, what strength. What strength. Knowing full well what was coming, what was upon him, what strength it took for him to come back and say, nevertheless, not my will. But your will be done. Now the reason I'm going through this. I want two things to become very clear. Jesus was tempted. And then also I want you to see us. To see me and you. How he dealt with the temptation. One of the big things you got to know. Concerning temptation. You have to have some endurance. Just because you say no once. That's not the end. Right? you got to have some endurance. How many people resisted the temptation for six months and then gave in? They resisted the temptation for a great length of time and then they gave in. Well, then they lost the battle. They failed. They sinned. How many understand Jesus prayed this same prayer repeatedly, didn't he? Why? Because it continued to press him. It continued to squeeze him. And he continued. I mean, when he felt pressed and pulled, he'd come back and say it again. Father, (laughs) anything's possible with you. Let this cup pass from me. But what would he come back to again? Nevertheless, not what I want, but what you want. How many understand, in order for you not to yield to the temptation... There's got to be something and somebody you love more than what your flesh is screaming for and what your mind is screaming for. Jesus was pushed and pressed. Let's keep reading this. There appeared an angel to him from heaven strengthening him. And I know that was wonderful and I know that helped him. But how many know you and I don't just have an angel to help us now. We got the head of the church himself who's been through it. Said he, having been through it, is able to help us wonderfully. 
Glory to God. Being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now hold on. Why is he experiencing this? Why? Why is he praying like this? Why is he experiencing this pressure? Where does it come from? Where is the conflict? What is so challenging? Don't come up with any other theories. Go back to the prayer. What came out of his mouth? What came out of his mouth? Not my will, but your will be done. Then where's the conflict? The conflict is his will versus the known will of God. Oh, can you see it? Was he tempted not to do it? Oh, he was tempted. He was tempted beyond what most any of us will ever experience. Just in that one thing alone. Now lest you think I'm, I'm changing this some way or another. Go, hold your place there. Go to Hebrews. Hebrews the 12th chapter. Was Jesus tempted? Answer it for me. Was he tempted? Yes. Did he yield to the temptation? No. no. Was it easy? No. no. Will you be tempted? Yes. yes. Do you have to yield to the temptation ever? No. no. Can it be that temptation comes to you that you just can't resist? No. Have you ever heard that before? There are some women that like to believe they are irresistible. They can seduce any man. Hmm? There are some men that like to believe they are irresistible. They can seduce any woman. But is there such a thing as an irresistible man or woman? Sorry to blow their balloon, but no. There is, I don't care what they look like or what they think they are. There is no such thing as an irresistible temptation of any kind in any area. There is no such thing. How do I know that? 1 Corinthians 10.13 There is no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. There is no special, unique temptation coming to you that nobody else has ever experienced. But God is faithful He won't allow you to be tempted above what you're able. Able to what? Able to resist. Able to overcome. But will, with the temptation, make a way of escape. That you may be able to bear. Get out of there. Get out of there. There is no such thing as a temptation you can't resist. People lie to each other about it. But it's not true. It's not true. Hebrews 12, are you there? Hebrews 12, verse 2. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. We read that before in the fifth chapter, didn't we? Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. How did he get through that? How did he get through it? By faith, he could see the other side. How can you get through stuff? Same way. Hmm? You're having to put your flesh under. 
having to put your mind under it, squealing, I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it now. <laughs> but by faith, you can say, no, no, if I'll trust God now, if I'll wait on Him, He'll give me something better. I won't do without. Hmm? And maybe you're going through some discomfort right now, but by faith, you can look past this. And go, man, I'm going to come out on the other side. God's going to do such a wonderful thing for me. Huh? That's faith. And the joy of what you're seeing by faith will help you get through the tough time. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be wearied and faint in your minds. You have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against what? When he swept blood, what was he resisting? The temptation to sin. And what he's saying is, you never been that far. So don't act like you can't make it. Huh? Jesus was tempted to the point blood came out of his pores. That's how hard he was pushed and pressed and pulled and tempted. And even at that, he wouldn't give in. He wouldn't do it. Oh, he's my hero. How about you? He wouldn't do it. And hear what he's saying to you. You know, you're hollering and crying and wallowing around, but you've never resisted that far. You need to just be strong and say, no, I'm not giving into this. I'm not yielding to this. I don't have to. I don't have to settle for this. God will take care of me. God will tell, how many believe God can satisfy every need you have, every desire, every want? You can wait on Him and He can take care of you the right way and the right time. And it will be exceeding abundantly above what you asked or thought and above what you could have got by sin. It takes faith though, doesn't it? To trust Him. To wait on Him. Can you see from Hebrews 12, Luke 22... He was resisting what? Sin. Temptation to sin. Thank you, Lord. Go back to Luke 22. Let's finish reading this. Jesus was in an agony, verse 44. He prayed more earnestly. His sweat was it, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Now you put Hebrews 12 with this. What is he resisting? He's resisting sin. He's being tempted to sin. And when he rose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And he said to them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest you enter into temptation. Now let's just, there's so many things right here. How many understand? He knows if he's being pushed like this, if they don't do something different than what they're doing, they're not going to make it. They're going to fall. They're going to yield to the temptation. And sure enough, they did. But now let's stop. Could they have overcome the temptation? Obviously, it was possible if they had stayed hooked with him like he told them to. If they'd have put their... How many understand? If you can't put your flesh under to keep from going to sleep, that's a bad sign that you're going to, you know, yield to your flesh in another area. 
If you can't overcome the desire to sleep, how are you going to overcome a stronger desire in a couple hours here? That's what he's talking to them about. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You're weak through the flesh. And also you see, why did he have those three come with him closer? Can you hear and see he would have liked some support? Can you see that? He would have liked some help. Didn't he ask them to watch with him and pray with him? He could have left them outside with the rest. He was hoping they'd support him. What do you mean? He needed help. The angel came and helped him, didn't he? And we can learn so much about overcoming temptation through all these things, can't we? How many understand if you're being tempted, you don't want to go with the bunch that's yielding to the temptation? You want to find some folk that you know are not yielding to the temptation, and they're going to encourage you not to yield, and they're going to help you with the environment. I've talked to person after person after person. There's a friend of mine who's a pastor of a successful church on the other side of the country, and he was head over heels into drugs, I don't know, 30-some years ago. He was a druggie. He took so much drugs and did so much stuff that they thought he had permanently damaged his brain. But God healed him and delivered him and made him bright of mind and gave him a wonderful wife and a family and a wonderful, successful church. Somebody say, all things possible to him that believes. But I've talked to him at length about it because he was completely immersed in the drug world and everything that goes with that. And I've heard him and I've heard other people, but I'm just using him as an example. And I asked him, you know, how'd you come out of that? How'd you get free? Because he would, they'd send him to uh, clinics and stuff and he'd come out using. He'd find a way to get drugs while he was in there, you know. But let's just stop here. He, people at the point where he was at know that what they're doing is killing them. They know it. Why do they keep doing it? Because they are so tempted. They think about the feeling. They think about the euphoria. They think about, you know, and, and chemically their body is screaming for it. They are tempted. How many understand it would be so much better to never put yourself in that place to be subjected to that kind of temptation? I understand the smart thing is never start. That's right. But what's going on with them at this point? Temptation. He is tempted. I don't care whether it's, you know, you hear about all kind of stuff. Shopaholic, sexaholic, alcoholic, every kind of alcoholic. It all comes down to temptation. You're tempted to do something. And I asked him, he said, I got born again. <laughs> And even at that, he wasn't free. But he, and I think that's confusing to some people because they come in, they get born again, and they assume I'm never going to be tempted again. And nobody's telling them any different. So they assume because I went out and I was tempted the next day and I failed and sinned again, 
I must not be like them. They're holy. They wear nice clothes. And they don't even know what it is like to be tempted. And we do. And we have been. And everybody is. But there's power once you're born again. There's power in Jesus. There's power by the Holy Spirit to overcome and not yield to the temptation. And so he said he began to learn about faith. He began to learn about redemption. And that began to help him. But he saw at one point in praying and beginning to fellowship with the Lord, one of the first things the Lord told him is you've got to get away from your druggy friends. These are people he's known for years. They're really, you know, he's estranged his other family. He's worn out his welcome and he's borrowed and lied and stole from everybody for drugs and messed up their homes. And, and this really is his family now, is his fellow druggies in the street. And the Lord said, you must get out of there. You must leave them. You must get away from He says, one of the hardest things I ever did. Because I thought that was the only family I had. But he knew if he stayed there, he would never be free. Why? Because he is in an environment where people are yielding to what he's tempted to do. And how many understand you are not going to make it in that kind of environment? It's tough enough just resisting the temptation without being around other people that's shooting up and snorting and smoking this and that. you got to get out. How many understand you got to get out? How many remember Joseph? <laughs> huh? Joseph, Potiphar's wife. She must have been a looker. Probably wasn't dressed properly. She's been pressuring him, pressuring him. She worked it around where nobody's in the house. She's got him in the bedroom or somewhere. Thinks this is it. How many understand he got to the place where he couldn't talk? He couldn't say, well, let's sit down here on the side of the bed and talk about it. No. <laughs> he got to the place where he ran out of his jacket, didn't he? I mean, he could not stay there one minute more. Why? Why? Because he knew he was being honest about how tempted he was. But it's the holier than thou. Deceived individual talking about, oh, I'm not tempted, I'm not tempted, you know, yeah, I used to be in all this, but God delivered me, and, and I'm not tempted at all. I'm going to stand a man like that, a woman like that, is this far away from falling and sinning. I remember a, a lady minister one time was talking about how that she had been in bunch of stuff that was not right and sinful and she decided she's going to go back in to some of these dark dives where she used to be all the time and she's going to witness and so she sat down with a bunch of folks that was doing what she used to do and and she's trying to talk to them about the Lord and and uh, next thing you knew she was looking at one of them's margarita And she used to be big on margaritas, you know, boy, she could drink them by the pitchers and, and just got drunk out of her head and did all kind of stupid stuff. And next thing you know, she had slid one over kind of toward her, her place. 
Next thing you know, she was trying to talk to him about the Bible, and she's running her finger around the top of the uh, the glass and licking the salt. How many understand she's kidding herself about where she is? And she realized it and got out, didn't even explain herself, ran out the door, and that's probably why she was able to be talking to us at that point. Go with me to Second Peter. I think I can start to begin to close. Or at least begin to think about starting to close. Second Peter, the second chapter. Second Peter 2. Jesus was tempted. Tempted to what? Sin. He resisted sin. This is not my words now. This is Hebrews 12. He resisted sin to the point of blood. Didn't he? And he overcame the temptation to sin. Sin is bondage. And the result and end of sin is death. We read that last week in Romans 6. The last verse. The wages of sin is what? Death. Sin is bondage. But now the devil lies about it. He tells you, and the devil is subtle, he's crafty, so he mixes in a little bit of truth with a bunch of lie. He's very subtle, he's very crafty. And sometimes because the church is mixing in some lies with truth too, they're trying to tell you there is no pleasure in sin. If you were really sanctified and holy, you wouldn't want to do that. And real Christians never have temptations and thoughts and feelings like that. And that's all lies. And so the enemy is able to convince people, well, something's wrong with you. You're different because you want to do it. And in fact, you enjoy doing it. So you must not even be saved or something. There is pleasure in sin. No need you lying to your kids about it. You need to tell them the truth. There is pleasure, but it is temporary. It's very brief. And then there's death. Now that doesn't mean they'll just fall physically dead the moment, and that goes all the way back to the garden, doesn't it? The Lord warned them about it. And the devil told him, oh, you won't die. And, of course, he knows they're thinking about falling dead physically and everything else. But there's a lot more to death than falling dead physically. People are sinning. And it's killing stuff in their soul. It's killing parts of them in their mind. It's killing marriages and homes and relationships. It's killing their faith. Come on. It's killing their ministries. Do you understand? It don't think you can sin and no death comes out of it. You may not fall out dead physically, and yet you could too. But every time sin happens, death happens. That's what the Lord is warning us about this for. He's not trying to spoil our fun. He's trying to keep us from dying, being destroyed. Isn't He? He loves us. Second Peter, the second chapter. Down about the uh, 18th verse. 
He said, when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure, that's a word that goes along with temptation, through the lusts of the flesh, through much wantonness, they allure those who were clean escaped from them who live in error. He's talking about people who have been delivered. They've been delivered out of stuff. And yet here are individuals that are alluring them with great swelling words of vanity. How many understand there are some people who can talk? Con, shuck, jive. Man. And some of them, you may wonder, how, you know, the next day or the next week, how did I let them talk me into that? Well, there's a number of reasons. <laughs> All of it boils down to it being your fault. <laughs> so don't even think about trying to shift the blame. <laughs> but a lot of these guys that are so-called silver-tongued devils, Silver tongue woman, devil woman. <laughs> they have supernatural assistance. Because they are yielding. How many understand? If I yield to the Holy Spirit, I'm going to get supernatural assistance talking to you about the truth and about living right and free tonight. But on the other end of it, there are people who yield into wrong spirits. And so they are supernaturally enabled and helped with their vocabulary and their manner and the stories they bring up and the logic and the reasoning. And they get into this debate about what's really sin and what's not and... I mean, so what I'm talking about, it goes right back to the same spirit that got a hold of the serpent out there, right? What was he doing? How many understand Adam and Eve are not dumb? They are no dummies. But they stood out there and they listened to it. And the devil is crafty, crafty, and he, if you listen to him, now why would you be standing out there listening to him? Because part of you wants to. Part of you wants to try it out. And you know it's not right. But the part of you that wants to do it is open to any suggestions that could help me rationalize (laughs) what I know is not right. Hmm? Through great swelling words of vanity... They allure through the lusts of the flesh. Whose lust of the flesh are we talking about? Yours. You wouldn't have anything, you know, you wouldn't even care to listen to what they're saying. Unless there's something in you. In your flesh. Wants to think about it. Wants to look at it. Wants to try to figure out how to justify doing it. Through much wantonness. Those who were clean escaped from them who live in error. How many know we need to know this? And we need to be able to help our people who get saved in church here. 
who God delivers from drug addiction. He delivers them from, you know, sleeping all over town and all this stuff. He delivers them, but they need to know. The enemy's still out there. You still got flesh. And you can be tempted. And you don't need to subject yourself to unnecessary temptation. And you need to know how to deal with the temptation when it comes. That's what this series is about. Are we going to camp on it? Come on, are you going to help me? How many think we ought to camp on this until we know how? Until we know how to identify what's going on and and not be duped and not play with stuff and and know how to deal with it head on and overcome it like the master. Learn how to tap in to that wonderful help he's talking about giving us in temptation. Yes. Now notice what it says. Verse 19, these silver-tongued devils speaking these great, alluring words, swelling words. Here's part of them. What are they telling them? They are promising them what? Liberty. Oh, you go over there, that church, they just bind you up. Everything's a sin, can't do anything, can't have any fun. Can't party, can't do this, can't do that. That's just man's rules. God wants you to be free. Free. And without saying it, the implication is free to sin. Free to sin. And that's why there's a whole lot of people not in this church tonight. They're not in this building tonight. They're out sinning. Why? Because they think they want to be free. I want to be free to have sex with whoever I want to. I want to be free to do all the drugs I can buy. I want to be free. I want to be free to act crazy. I want to be free to be wild. I was born to be wild. (laughs) I got to be me. And I got to be free and I got to do it my way. They are in bondage. They are in bondage. They are a slave to sin and won't admit it. And they'll do stuff and they'll blow their money and they'll hurt their body and they'll hurt other people and they'll do all kind of stuff and they'll have no self-confidence, no self-worth and value and it just gets worse and worse and worse. But they're free. And their buddies will tell them how free they are. And there's even some of them can wax eloquent in talking about the life of freedom instead of being with all those stuffy Christians. While they promise them liberty, come on, read it. While they are promising them liberty, they themselves, who? The silver-tongued devil. The devil woman. They themselves are the what? Servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same is he brought in bondage I know a friend of mine I'd been I had graduated Bible school a couple of years and I saw this guy that I was I knew back in high school and he was always a wild one and he knew me before I was in the ministry too and he and I were 
you know, just doing some little nothing stuff, running each other and thought, hi, how you doing? And we were excited. We'd go get a burger and talk a little bit. And, and here came this really nice looking woman that walked by the front of the place. And, oh, man, he about knocked the hamburger off the table. And he's going, oh, man, you know, talking about that woman. What a babe. What a fox. What a, and he looked at me. I didn't say anything. He said, oh, now, come on now, man. He said, you know, don't tell me that if you had opportunity to be with her, you wouldn't do it. I said, no, I wouldn't. He said, you ain't even a man. Well, now i got to control myself from smacking him. <laughs> I don't forgot about the woman, Dale, and I'm ready to... I was saying, that ain't a nice thing to say. You ain't even a man. I mean, But anyway, thank God I controlled myself. And... Uh, I, you know, we talked a little bit. He just acted like he couldn't relate to what I was trying to say to him. And, and we left. And I was thinking about, you know, what does righteousness have in common with unrighteousness and light with darkness? And I had gotten saved and gone another way, and he hadn't. And what I realized, though, is he didn't realize what he had told me. He was telling me he was too weak to resist the temptation. He's talking about me not being a man. And I'm talking about being a strong enough man, I don't have to yield and be weak with my feelings. Oh, come on, can you see that? But that's how twisted and warped the world is. Yielding to temptation doesn't prove you're a man, it proves you're weak. Right? Whatever kind of temptation it is. I understand Jesus was not weak. He is so strong. Yeah. And he never yielded. Yeah. Proving it could be done. Keep reading this now. Of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought in bondage. Whatever you let overpower you, whatever you yield to and succumb to and give in to, you are its slave. You are not free in your sin. You are a slave to your sin. How many understand the further it goes, the worse it gets until people are crying out in desperation. They don't want to keep doing it. They want to quit and they feel helpless and powerless. They just keep yielding, just keep yielding. Are they free? They're slaves. For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, say it again, you'll know the truth. And the truth will make you free. If they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. I understand you do not want to come and get saved and get delivered and get cleaned up and then go back out into the sin that you got delivered from. It'll be worse then than it was before. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteous than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered to them. How many know that is a strong thing to say? But it has happened to them according to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again and the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. People read that and they don't even like to read it. They think, oh, that's disgusting. I don't even want to talk about it. How many understand the Lord could have used different language if he had wanted to? He used it for a reason. Why? Because spiritually it is just like this. Going back into 
the sin that you were delivered from is just as filthy and disgusting and deviling as a dog going back to vomit. We think, oh, that's politically incorrect. That's just too harsh. I don't want to. You need to look at it. I need to look at it. God chose these words for a reason. Somebody say, I ain't going back. I'm not going back. I'm not letting myself be defiled. I'll not let myself be a servant of sin. No, I don't have to. I can be, does that mean I can never have any fun? No, it means you can be free to have real fun. Fun without guilt. Freedom. Real blessing. See, that's one of the reasons why the devil fights prosperity so hard. That's one of the reasons because he has been able to lie to people that they have to live a crooked life to have the stuff. And that really if you served God, you're not supposed to have anything. When the world finds out that God wants to make them rich... And they take it without lying and stealing and sinning. They can be more blessed than if they did lie and steal. Sin begins to lose its allure. Stand up on your feet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries, and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.